Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't know. There were some times when I was a little bit younger in church. Um, but there was these attendance awards you got for coming to church, going to Sunday school. You remember some of those things? If you attended a certain amount of time, you, you got this special gift, or if you were really good, you got a special meal. I remember that one time. If we were giving out attendance awards, I know someone that beat everybody last week. That was Monica. She was so enamored with attending church she slept here for three days. No, in other words. Part of that, though, I appreciate Monica. She, uh, she gave up time. We didn't know what this weather was going to be doing for us, and so we were preparing the church to be used as an emergency shelter. And so Monica's like, yeah, I don't want to get stuck at home, so I'll come here. So she decided to get stuck here instead of at home. And so I appreciate you doing that. Uh, we stayed on opposite ends of the building. I slept in the office. It was great. I finally figured out how to sleep on a cot. So the first night was really bad, but it, I figured it out the rest of the night. We are in Philippians, continuing in Philippians this week. And I decided to take a one verse running leap into where we're at today. Last week, we covered verses one through four of chapter four. But we're going to back up and we're going to start with verse 4 as we head into our text. So if you would mind turning to Philippians chapter 4. And if you would stand with me as we read God's word. I don't have it up on the screen, guys. I have the individuals, but not the whole thing. So Philippians chapter 4. Beginning with verse number 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice! Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you again for your servant Paul, who has written some words that you have inspired upon him, words that are with us today, words that, Father, will guide us in our relationship with you. Help us as we look at these words. May we see the truths and may the truths be evident. And may those truths, Father, be something that we truly 
will place upon our hearts and act upon them. For your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All righty. Contentment. It is something, where's my wife? There she is. It's something that she says that I am not. I'm not very content. She will probably point to the so-called trove of shoes that I have. I say there's a purpose behind each pair, but she thinks I'm just, oh, that looks pretty. I'll go get it. They're not shiny, so I don't know what that's all about. But some things, there are things in our lives that we're just not content about. Uh, another one of those things that I find that I have a fascination for are pens. If you go in my office and just look on top of the desk beside the turtle, you will find this big thing and it's just crammed full of pens. Don't look in the drawer beside it. You'll find more things. We were, are we content about some things in life? Sometimes we, we strive for more things. Matter of fact, I think it was Will Rogers who made the comment that there are some folks who live in the country, they'll go to the city so they can earn enough money to go back and live in the country. Sometimes there are things that we want and we just can't get enough of. There's a desire and there is a craving for more and more. But for some reason, when we get it, we're not satisfied. We find that there's something else that we want. The tragedy, though, is that there is a lack of contentment that is becoming a norm in our society. But I think as we look in our passages this morning in Philippians, I think we're going to find some encouraging words from Paul to the believers there in Philippi about contentment. So I want us to look together as what Paul writes here about pursuing contentment. Remember, though, as we walk through this, that contentment really is not an option. It is absolutely essential in order for us to truly have a walk worthy of our Lord. So as we begin our look, let me ask you this question, and I think I wrote it in your notes. How can a follower of Christ be victorious through contentment? How can they be victorious through contentment? When we have a, a world that is full of temptations and attractions, the world is full of the lures, and those lures, if we look at the fishing component, they have hooks on it. And so those lures look to snag our hearts and our minds. They look shiny. That's why some of those fish love some of those lures. Shiny, yummy, but when they grab them, they go, oh no, somebody else is going to be yummy. It's going to be me. But I think there are things in life that are attracting to us, but they're detrimental to us. So how are we to be men and women and even young people that God desires us to be. How can we be that through contentment? And through our text this morning, I think we're going to see four actions that Paul writes about that will help us if we would but learn to utilize them, learn to, to cultivate and nurture them in our daily lives so that we can develop contentment. And I believe when we develop that contentment in our lives, I think we will experience an abundant life in Christ that we have never felt before. So the first thing that we see here in verse four is rejoicing always in the Lord or to rejoice always 
in the Lord. There in verse 4, we've read it before. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Paul's imprisonment, for those we've been walking through Paul, it wasn't a very good time for him. Matter of fact, his journey to even get to Rome was very dangerous with the shipwreck and all. Hazardous, dangerous to their lives. But being in prison was not the cakewalk that some would think it would be. Paul is literally chained to another guard 24-7. But throughout this entire time, he understood the necessity of being content. See, it is incumbent upon our friends, our relatives. For them, they had to meet all of their needs when they were in that prison. So he understood the idea of being content. So for him to begin the idea of rejoice was a great understatement here. But think about this. You can't rejoice in something that you do not have. You can't rejoice in the Lord unless the Lord really rejoices in you, can you? Luke 15, 10, Jesus says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Also alluded to in Matthew 25, 21, when it says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. See, a joyous life is one that can be generated from a changed life. And a changed life only comes through Jesus Christ. Without Christ, what are you really going to be joyous over? Or are you going to be joyous over being separated eternally from Christ? Or are you going to be joyous over the fact that the destination at the end of life is hell? But no, true joy is knowing that the wrath of God has been settled. That wrath of God has been settled because of Jesus Christ. Later on this morning, we are going to partake in the Lord's Supper. And it is a reminder of how that wrath was satisfied through Jesus Christ's love for us, that he gave his life, shedding his blood on a cross so that he might take care of our sins. But not only that, not only true joy is knowing that the wrath of God has been settled, but also that the grace of God has been secured. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. That is where joy should come from. Even Jesus told his disciples not to rejoice about the evil spirits that they were subject to them, that is. But they should rejoice because their names were written in heaven. So if you really want contentment, you should rejoice because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You should rejoice because you are saved. You should rejoice because you are a child of God. So in that fashion, rejoice in the Lord always. The next thing we see here is in verse number five. Paul writes, let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. The second act here is that we should respond in gentleness and heartiness. Gentleness and heartiness. 
Now the word graciousness here is the Greek word for epikes, which really if the Greeks were to explain it would be justice and something better than justice. Here the picture is of knowing when not to apply the strict letter of the law, instead relaxing that justice and applying mercy. So what does that look like? John chapter 8, you can go and look at that a little later. I don't think it's in your notes. Write it in, but John chapter 8. There is a story of the adulterous woman that was caught in the act. I love to kind of impound on that a little bit more, but that will take longer than we have. But the adulterous woman is placed before Jesus, and the law says anyone caught in adultery must be stoned. Interesting that only half of the party was there to be taken care of, but what did Jesus do? Began to write in the sand. And as he was writing in the sand, stone by stone began to drop because each stone held by an accuser was now left on the ground because in my humble belief is that as he writes, everyone is seeing that there is something in their life that was amiss. They were not without sin. And so eventually there was no one there. Jesus says, who accuses you? She says, no one. He says, neither do I. But he doesn't just send her on her way at that point. He says, go and sin no more. There was a point in time here, Jesus, he could have leveled the law on her, but instead he enacted mercy. How about in our lives sometimes we can become so enamored with what is right and what is wrong, what the law says. But as we're driving down the road and that one vehicle cuts us off, do we show graciousness or do you show a finger? As gentle, as children of God, we ought to be gentle and have a gentle spirit toward those that are around us. Our lives should be of a genuine Christ-like, shown both in our words and our actions. And yes, that even extends toward family. See, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit of God comes and he resides in us. We are filled with that Spirit. Our lives take on the fruit of the Spirit. You look at Galatians 5.22. It lists what that is, but one of those in there says gentleness. Gentleness. And so having developed that mind of Christ that Paul wrote about in, earlier in Philippians chapter 2, our response to life should be with gentleness that is demonstrated with hardiness. And that hardiness is what we find in the latter part of that same verse of five, when it says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. This implies a proactive stance in our gentleness, not wait around and be reactive. Being merely reactive in our calling does not imitate Christ at all. The Lord is at hand. There is a sense of urgency. We must look for ways to show Christ to the people that we meet. We should be looking for those opportunities. 
because the world needs to encounter Christ. He needs to encounter the gospel. And they see that as it is literally fleshed out in us in public view. Pastor of Whitesburg Baptist in Huntsville, he made this statement about what his calling was. He said this, my calling is to see people saved and then teach them to act like it. Let me ask you this question. Is it hard or should it be hard for people to be able to tell the difference between who a believer is and who a believer is not? By looking at you, can they say they're a follower of Christ? Or do they have to ask you a lot of questions? Do they have to be a friend of yours for years on years before they realize you go to church? It should never be said of either a child of God or even the church as a whole that it is rude, haughty, or impolite. You see, the fragrance of Christ, the fragrance of Christ should permeate wherever we go. And that fragrance should direct them to the Savior. Our little light should be shining bright. Even in the daytime. Contentment is the byproduct of having a gentle and hearty spirit. The next thing I see here with Paul writing is in verse number six. He says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The next thing I see here is request with gratitude and humility. Request with gratitude and humility. In the Holman Christian It uses the words, don't worry about anything. Other translations say, be careful for nothing. Other translations say, in nothing be anxious. Peter writes in a similar statement in 1 Peter 5, 7, when he says to cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. To cast all of your cares. That means to cast all of your discouragements. To cast all of your weariness, your hopelessness, your disappointments. Your frustrations, your depression. Your despair. The pain and hurt. The suffering, the grief, the heartache. The trouble. And the anxieties. Cast them upon him. We must remember that it is not a suggestion. It is a commandment because God knows how easily prone we are to worry. Just go and look in Matthew chapter six. He talks about ways in which we worry so much, but he says, don't worry. But what does happen is the worry. And you see, when we worry, it robs us of joy. 
But see, now that we've, we see what to do, Paul tells us how to do it. He says we, are, we can do this through a prayerful spirit. He says in everything pray. And see, godly prayer only comes through a humbled heart. In Proverbs 16, verses 16 through, 7, or 16 through 18, the writer says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And then he continues that thought. says, Abomination, it's an abomination to the Lord, that is the pride. Prayer is essential for the child of God. I know sometimes one may think that prayer takes too much time or I'm not seeing anything happen. And we give up on that too easily. Don't give up on prayer. Don't give up. For some, I think there's a, some ungratefulness in a lot of our lives. I mean, when was the last time that you truly spent the time and meditated on the blessings that God has given us? Now, I heard Miss Jenny mention that Mr. Denny prayed for the blessings of a warm house. It would be interesting if we notated how many the blessings and what we were thankful for and then to wake up the next day and only have those things. What an interesting experiment that would be. I mean, how much do we complain about? Do we complain about what type of food that we have while our mouths are full with food? Do we complain about the care that we receive as we drive by the hospitals and maybe we should be thankful for those who provide the care for us. Do we complain about church while we're on our way to church? Show me an unthankful person and I'll show you someone who is probably very bitter. See, that negativity, negativity is also a child of ingratitude. And that is contagious. I mean, imagine, don't think of me in this context, but say you've been to some other church. And you've heard a message that you feel God has just, that was for me. And then you walk outside only to hear a few say, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard. Didn't do anything for me. And now it's making you think, well, was it for me? See, having a heart of genuine gratitude is serious business for our Lord. Luke chapter 17, Jesus recognized that, remember that, the, the, the Samaritan lepers that he healed. And out of that group, only one returned. Jesus recognized his thankfulness as having a saving faith. And staying thankful is a powerful deterrent to sin as well. 
It's hard to be deliberately sinful when your heart is overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And in addition, thankfulness is a means by which God uses to bring about spiritual growth in all of us. So a Christian really can't mature without being thankful. Prayerful and thankful spirits, again, are the prerequisites for a content spirit. Last thing we have here in verse number seven. Paul writes, And the peace of God which surpasses every thought will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here I believe the action is that we would rest in the guardian of our hearts and minds. Rest in the guardian of our hearts and minds. There was a pastor friend who spoke radiantly about his grandmother. She literally had to raise him from when he was an infant. He saw her in a way that really truly exemplified what Paul was writing about in Romans chapter 12. That behavior. But he said that her life still stood as an example of faithfulness to God. And he mentioned that there were some difficulties that she went through in life. But even in the middle of those difficulties, she still showed nothing other than peace. And so when she was on her deathbed, the family gathered around. One of the very last words that she said to them was, I'm going home. He pastors, that pastor credits her prayers with bringing him to faith in Christ and his eventual calling into the ministry. But what he saw in her was this. She, that she was absolutely content with whatever God provided and even didn't supply. Her trust was in him and not the situations that she found herself in. And that was shown through the peace that was hers through Christ. John MacArthur writes this about the peace of God. He says, the real challenge of the Christian life is not to eliminate every unpleasant circumstance. It is to trust in the good purpose of our infinite, holy, sovereign, powerful God in every situation. Those who honor him by trusting him will experience the blessings of his perfect peace. I'm going to close by talking about this gentleman who came to the preacher for counseling. <laughs> he was desperate. He said, Pastor, I've lost everything. So the pastor looked at him and said, Oh, I'm sorry that you've lost your faith. He says, No, Pastor, <laughs> I haven't lost my faith. Well, the pastor says, Well, I'm sorry that you've lost your character. Yeah, I said, that's not what I said. I still have my character. The pastor looked at him and said, well, you haven't lost your faith. You haven't lost your character. I'm sorry that you've lost your salvation. 
gentleman had this really stunned look on his face when he looked at the pastor and says, Pastor, I haven't lost my salvation. So the preacher looked at him straight in the face and says, well, you haven't lost your faith. You haven't lost your character. You haven't lost your salvation. It seems to me that you haven't lost anything that matters. That peace of God is the one secret for contentment. Contentment. Do we truly understand the enormity of God's provision for his children? Sometimes we may need to be reminded of what that looks like. It looks like this. It looks like a missionary who is over in Africa and he's helping to lead music for a service in a leper colony. There toward the end of the service and the leper or the, the, the music missionary says, are there, does anyone have a favorite song that you would like for us to sing? So in the back of the room, a lady raised her hand and turned and all he could see was that her face no nose, no ears. All of that eaten away from, by the leprosy. And when she raised her hand, she had no fingers. All that was there was just the nub of the hand. She said, I want to request a song. This is the song that I want you to sing says, can you sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Well, somebody commented after that story, says, I bet you will never be able to sing that song again. And he says, no, I'll be able to sing it again. I'll just never be able to sing it the same way. Contentment is so important for a believer. Paul understood that as he sat in chains. Being content in the chains allowed him to write a gospel that was just using the Roman highways. It went gangbusters, if you would. But contentment for the believer allows us to shake off what the outside world tries to tell us that we need. And allows us to focus on God who gives us what we truly need. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.